So today we're starting our sermon series in the book of Acts. So from now, probably till about the end of the school year, with some breaks, okay, we're going to study through the entire book of Acts. So as we study, it's a narrative, right? So it's a historical account of the birth of the church. So it's basically, Acts is really kind of like a history book. So each week, what we're going to do is we're going to cover a section of scripture and highlight a few things. The few things that we'll highlight, maybe not every single week we'll have each of these things, but the few things that we'll highlight are this. The first is historical context. What's going on? Who are the people? Because it's history and because it's the beginning of the church, uh, you know, what's going on and who are the people involved? The second are theological truths. What are we learning theologically? Theologic, you know, theology is the study of God. So what are we learning about God, about what he desires for us, about what his character traits are, how he deals with us and how we deal um, with how he deals with people. And then the, the final thing we're going to see pretty much each week are practical applications. How should we respond? So we hear about this history. We find out the key players. We find out what they did. We, we learn theological truths, but then do we apply them? And that's, you know, I mean, you've been coming here for some time, and you've heard me say things like this. Head, heart, hands, right? We know something, we're inspired by something, and, um, you know, we go and do something. So God desires us to actually put these truths into our lives. When you read the Bible, it's no normal book, okay? It's not just a book for entertainment, okay? It's something that you read because it's God's actual word to us. So we want to draw out practical applications on how we should live. And I can tell you this, I've been a Christian for a very long time, okay? <laughs> it's been probably about 30 years that I've been a Christian. And the Bible is so practical. It was just as practical the day that I became a Christian to, the, to today. Every time I look at the culture and the world and, and experiences that I have, there is always a place to go in the scriptures to learn how to respond and how to live. The Christian should be doing that. So as we'll see, not every passage will have all three, but I'm going to do the best I can to draw these things out so we can understand, learn, and apply these things to our lives. So the book of Acts was written in the mid to late 60s AD, but we start off in the year 30 AD, and it says this, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So the first book that was written in the first book, it was written, it was actually the Gospel of Luke. The author of the book of Acts is Luke. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote it also to Theophilus, and he was basically telling, retelling the account of Christ, and now the book of Acts is he's going to tell the history of the church. Now, Theophilus, why did Luke write two detailed books to him? Now, these two detailed books take up about 25% of the New Testament, so we have to really pay attention because it's a quarter of the entire New Testament. Now, the name Theophilus is a Greek word, and it means friend of God or loved by God. 
Now, the most common theory, this name only shows up twice, in the beginning of Luke and in the beginning of Acts. So, Acts, the most common theory is about Theophilus is this. He was of high social standing. He was a friend of Luke. In his gospel, Luke uh, addressed him as most excellent, which is a Roman title of respect, possibly of an official of importance. But this man was probably a Gentile. So Luke was writing this account to him to prove who Jesus was and to also prove the early history of the church. We have no reason to believe that this guy wasn't a believer, so it wasn't necessarily an apologetic as much as it was a, this is a proof. So you can tell others. So now we have it here for us today that we can tell others. Now, just some background on Luke. He was an educated medical doctor and a believer that investigated the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and recorded all those things. He recorded those events in the Gospel of Luke, and now he continues the work by, continues to show us the work that Jesus does through the apostles. Now, many of you, when you hear the word, when you hear the, the name of the book, Acts, you've probably heard Acts of the Apostles, right? You've heard it like that? Acts of the Apostles. Well, realistically, we can say it's Acts of Jesus through the Apostles, okay? Because it was Jesus continuing to work. And like I said before, it's 25% of the New Testament, and it gives the best historical accounts of the life of Jesus and the birth of the church. He wrote these books to witness to the truth of Jesus and the formation of the church to accomplish the mission of bringing people into a relationship with God. Now, in verse 2, he recounts, he recounts what happened at the end of Luke chapter 24, which was the ascension of Jesus into heaven. After he spent 40 days on earth after his resurrection. So Jesus died rose from the grave three days later, spent 40 days teaching and spending time with the apostles and, and preaching, teaching about the kingdom of God, which we're going to learn a little bit more about, and then he ascended into heaven. So we pick up in verse 3, and it says this. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. God. Then it goes on in verses 4 and 5, it says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So going back to verse 3, it tells us that Jesus, after his resurrection, spent 40 days teaching the apostles, teaching the apostles about the kingdom. Now, I'm sure, I'm 100% positive, some of these teachings show up in the rest of the New Testament. Okay? Because think about it. Okay? We, we have the Gospels, but then we have this 40 days that Jesus went around teaching, but we don't have like a gospel of that, right? So we know that what Jesus was teaching these apostles turned up in the other New Testament writings. Then Luke tells us that Jesus instructed the believers not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now the promise is the Holy Spirit. Here we have a theological truth. The Holy Spirit, 
What does Jesus teach about the Holy Spirit? Well, in the Gospels, we learn that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. We learn that the Holy Spirit is our helper. We learn that the Holy Spirit is our counselor. And we learn that the Holy Spirit is God with each person. Now, how does this work? Okay, how does this work? Well, as we'll see in Acts in the future weeks, when a person trusts in the gospel, we receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me make that clear. When a person trusts that Jesus Christ is their Savior. So when you're willing to admit, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave to prove that he is God. And the scriptures teach us this. All who believe will have eternal life. That's what the scriptures teach. But another thing the scriptures teach is when a person believes, they are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. That means God comes and resides in us. Remember when I did the series about the church? And I said the church isn't as much of a place as as much of a group of people. We make up the church as believers in Christ, and what unifies us is that we each have the Holy Spirit. God comes and resides in our temple, okay? That's why the scriptures say our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is so important. It's a theological truth. Now, scriptures teach us that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. That means that the Holy Spirit, God with us, secures our salvation. So you can never lose your salvation. When you trust in Jesus as your Savior, when you trust in Jesus as your Savior, it seals you for the day of redemption. The best way to think about this, you ever go to one of those notaries and you have to get, and it's like, you're like, oh, I got to get this notarized, right? You go get this thing notarized. It's a piece of paper. And what do they do? They take that thing out and it's pretty cool, right? They go, right? And then you're like, whoa, that's cool. You can't do anything about that thing, right? You can get your iron out and be like, I'm going to try to iron it out. That seal is sealed. That paper, like, unless you use it for that purpose, you might as well throw it away because you can never use that piece of paper like for a blank sheet anymore. It's sealed. That's, the, that's like us being sealed. Like It can't be reversed. Okay? It can't be taken away. So when Jesus, when, when we trust in Jesus, we are eternally secure. It's called the doctrine of eternal security. Now Jesus said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was actually referencing Matthew 3.11. He says, uh, uh, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. John was talking about Jesus, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John's baptism was of human will. I decide to be baptized, like we do here, right? Baptism with water. I decide to be baptized. But Jesus' baptism of the Holy Spirit of us is by the will of God. It's a spiritual baptism. Now, some might think, okay, well, when do I get that? Well, if you're asking that question, that's a good question. You get that when you believe in Jesus. Okay, you might have been to other churches and stuff, and, and people are like, oh, I'm waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm a believer. I'm waiting for the baptism. They're wrong, okay? The scriptures teach us this. When you believe in Jesus, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's not something else that happens. It happens at the time of salvation. It's very important. So then we go on to verse 6 and 7. 
It says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. So now the apostles have a question. So they're hanging out with Jesus. This is before his ascension. It's in that 40-day period. And they're like, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, remember, the Jewish people were under the oppression of Rome when Jesus came on the scene as the king of kings, right? They thought he was going to overthrow Rome. Much to their surprise, he didn't. Rome crucified him, right? And then he died. So then he rose from the grave. So they were like, okay, like we're kind of bummed out he died. But now he rose from the grave. And now we have these 40 days that they, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom. So then their, their obvious question is this. Are you going to do it now? Okay. Are you going to build this kingdom? Are you going to overthrow Rome? Are you going to restore your people, Israel? So basically, they were waiting for this. Jesus was crucified by the Romans, and now he was back. So obviously, the conclusion must be, Jesus, are you going to set it up now? But Jesus answers, this is the Father's business. He's in charge, okay? He's in charge. Now, this is a good practical lesson for us, isn't it? This is a good practical lesson for you and I, because we have many questions for God. You know, maybe you're going through some kind of hurt. Maybe you're going through some kind of loss. Maybe something happened in your life that just doesn't seem to make sense to you. And you're like, why, God? Maybe you're not angry with God. You're just wondering, what's up? What's going on? And it's radio silence. There doesn't seem to be a clear answer. You're wondering what's going on. Here's where you can rest in the fact that it's the Father's business. It's the father's business. I know we don't like that, right? It's like when you were a little kid. How come, mommy? How come, daddy? Because, right? When your parents said because, and you're like, what do you mean because? Like, I want to know the answer. And then when you get older, you start to realize why your parents said because. So you do that to your kids, right? <laughs> so here's the thing. There's certain things in life there's certain questions we have. There's certain occurrences that happen. There's certain things that go in a way that we don't think they should go. And we might have questions for God. Maybe we're not getting all the answers we need. I want you to rest in this, what Jesus says here. It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So then we go on to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, Jesus is saying this. Now, remember, this is the 40 days. This is happening in the 40 days before Jesus ascends into heaven. They did not receive the Holy Spirit yet because Jesus hadn't ascended, and the Holy Spirit will come, and we're going to see that. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, because we're going to see that in Acts chapter 2 and stuff. So each believer at that point did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling with them. In fact, when you go back to, um, to the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would rest on certain people. But not everybody. Remember when David, he said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You know, sometimes when we're singing, I know there's a song, I think it's like creating me a clean heart. And every time I sing that, I'm like, 
this is not for us, okay? It's because it says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit. And then he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I think it, then it says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And I'm like, this is not a New Testament believer's song to sing because God will never take the Holy Spirit away. So now we're standing here and thinking, uh-oh, can that happen? It can't, okay? So strike that song from the list, okay? We're not going to do that one anymore. <laughs> Even though it's scripture, we can't sing that one because it's not true to us today as New Testament believers. So Jesus is saying, now, as you live on this earth and you live out your faith, obey what you are supposed to obey. Obey the way that I want you to live. Fulfill the mission you're called to, but you're not going to have to do this alone. You have power with the Holy Spirit. You have power to do these things. Now, at this point, like I said, the Holy Spirit wasn't dwelling with them. But when the day of Pentecost comes and each believer receives the Holy Spirit, they're going to have this power. Now, a practical application for us is this. You and I have that power. You, and, you might be looking at things like, man, that's hard, or I can't handle this. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to go through this. Well, let me tell you this. You have power. You have power through the Holy Spirit. You know, many of you know me and know some of the things that our family's been through in the last years. And, and, and you know, one of the main things when some stuff went down in my family, I was like, what am I going to do? And then God was like, I'm going to do it, okay? I got you. I am the one who has power. You have no power. You rely on me. You have no power. You rely on me. And that resounding voice of the Holy Spirit just basically saying, I got you. I'm lifting you up. I'm helping you. You have power. You can't do this on your own. And, and here's the truth for us as Christians, practically speaking. When you get to a place where you realize that you are weak, the scriptures tell you that you're being made strong through the power of God. You know, pride makes us think that we're strong. Pride makes us feel like I can handle this. Pride makes us feel like I can do better. But humility tells us it's Christ through the Holy Spirit working in us and giving us the power. So Jesus tells them, you will have this power. The reason why he tells them this is because the mission they are called to do is something that can only be accomplished through the power of God. And that is, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, witnesses of what? Well, they are direct witnesses. They are direct witnesses of the life, the death, the resurrection, the teachings in the, over this 40 days, and the ascension of Jesus. What an amazing seat in history these guys had, right? What an amazing seat. Can you imagine? I mean, imagine the turmoil when they were following Jesus around, and then they take him away and arrest him and crucify him. They're like, oh, man, there's our leader, okay? Then imagine the joy when the resurrection happens. And then Jesus is hanging out, teaching them. And now in a few moments, he ascends to heaven. What a seat in history these believers have. So they get to see this. They're witnesses. So now their job is to bring the message to the world. Let me ask you a question. You think they did a good job? Yeah. yeah. They did 
but it wasn't them, right? It was the Holy Spirit working through them, recalling everything that actually happened. Now, this verse here actually gives us an outline for the book of Acts. So as we move through the book of Acts, here's what you're going to see. So let me just read it again. It says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So check this out. Jerusalem, chapters 2 through 7. Remember, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. So they start in Jerusalem. Then Judea and Samaria is chapters 8 through 12. And then the ends of the earth is chapter 13 through 28. And basically, we're going to see that's when they go out to all these like Gentile nations and stuff. Granted, they didn't make it to America at that point because they didn't know about it, right? So that's where we come in, right? Because we're the ends of the earth. So throughout the book of Acts, we're going to see the mission being accomplished. It will also serve as an outline for many of the, the New Testament letters. Like when you see like, okay, here's when Paul wrote Philippians. Here's what, So we're going to see a lot of that throughout because like I said, it's a narrative, it's a historical account. So the practical application for us today is that first, we have power through the Spirit, but second, we are witnesses, and right now, our job is to witness to the ends of the earth. So here we are in Lacey Township, New Jersey, which is kind of like the ends of the earth, right? Okay. And anywhere where believers are is really the ends of the earth. So we go out and we are witnesses. Well, how do we do that? Well, we're going to see great examples through our study, through the book of Acts, in believers that spread the gospel. They spread the gospel, faced serious persecution for their spread of the gospel. Like, you might be like, oh, I'm afraid to tell people this because they might mock me, okay? Some of the things we're going to see are people thrown in jail for their faith. Some of the things we're going to see are people martyred for their faith. So in the book of Acts, we're going to see examples of believers that would not step back. They would not close their mouth because they knew that they had the message of life to tell other people. So believers, essentially, we're going to tell others and essentially spread the gospel today in 2022 and 2023 and beyond, right, to basically till Jesus comes back. Because the question then is, how long do I do this? And we'll see in the next verses, he says this, and when he said these things, so this is Jesus talking, when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So at this point, Jesus ascends into heaven. So now the apostles had front row seats of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, teaching for the last 40 days, and now they see Jesus ascend into heaven. They're standing there looking in the sky. Could you imagine that scene? Okay. There he goes. I don't see him anymore. And what happens? Hey, guys. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way 
as you saw him go into heaven. So here's what's happening now. Here's what's happening. We might say, how long do I have to be a witness of the gospel? This answers your question, doesn't it? Till Jesus comes back. Till Jesus comes back. Now, this is a hard one for people, right? Jesus coming back. Like, when you woke up, and I say this all the time, right? But when you woke up this morning, you're like, today could be the day Jesus comes back. Now you're like, man, it's going to rain. Can't go to the beach now. Right? <laughs> That's what you thought. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're all susceptible to that. I have to confess, I didn't wake up and say, today's the day. I was like, okay, I got to get to church. I got to preach a message. But today could be the day. But if it's not, what's my job? To be a witness. To be a witness with my life, with my words, my actions, the way I treat other people, the way I handle my family, the way I do whatever I do. Today is my day to be a witness because Jesus didn't come back yet. So these two angels appear, and here's basically what he says to them. Hey, guys, what are you doing? You got a job to do. Okay, you guys are standing here like this. You have a job to do. You know what, you know what he, these angels would say to our culture today? What are you guys doing looking at those things in your hand? Okay, you're looking at your phone. You're binge watching. You're doing everything else except the mission. That's what these angels would say. They would say, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. And God does not speak out against leisure or vacation or anything, rest, relaxation. In six days, God created, in seventh, he rested. We all know those things to be true. But each day is a gift from God that we can actually tell other people about Jesus. And what I found in my life is when you live your life like that, when you live as a witness in your character, in your actions, in your testimony, in the words that you say, everything that you do, guess what happens? Spiritual conversations come up. You could be doing your hobby. You can be swinging a golf club and talking with the people that you're golfing with. You can be shopping and talking with the people that you're shopping with. You can be doing anything social and things will come up. Some of you people like to fish, right? You can be fishing with somebody and have good spiritual conversations with them. Whatever it is, wherever God has placed you, you have opportunities now to be a witness with your character, with your actions, and with your words. But the second thing this is kind of saying is, your job will not be done until Jesus comes back. Your job's not done. So there, there's really two options here. He either calls you home or he comes back. And you've heard me say this a million times, right? My option is I hope he comes back, right? I want to jump in the family minivan and all drive to heaven together, right? I, wanna, I, like, I don't want to have to do the physical death thing if I don't have to. But it's not my choice, okay? God gives us the power to live each day and to be a witness. So these angels say to these guys, hey, listen, guys you know what? He's coming back. You guys have a job to do. So throughout the book of Acts, this is what we're going to see. We're going to see a group of believers that will grow and grow and grow and grow, and they're going to work and work and be witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now here we are today. We're continuing this mission because what started with Christ and a handful, 12, a dozen men 
continues on to this day, over 2,000 years later. And guess what? We are a continuation of this. Do you know something that Jesus instructs us to do and observe until he returns is actually communion? So today we're going to observe communion. So if you would like to grab your communion elements. And just so I can explain this to you, communion is for the believer. It's for anyone who trusts that Jesus is their Savior, that Jesus died and rose from the grave. It's for anyone who trusts that. It's a time of remembrance. His body was broken. His blood was shed. It's a time of remembrance for you and I for what Jesus has done. Another thing that communion is for believers is it's a time for us to confess our sins. It's a time for us to look inside and say, hey, where have I been falling short? Maybe where you've been falling short has been you're not a good witness. And I'm not saying you just don't put your words together right. You're just living a life that is not conducive of a Christian life. When people see you and they say, oh, you say you're a Christian, it doesn't line up. So that's where you have to say, Lord, I need help. Because all these years, you might have been saying to yourself, I'm trying to do this, but it's hard and I can't. Well, let me let you in on a little secret here, okay? And it's not really even a secret because it tells us in the scriptures. You have power in the Holy Spirit to have victory, to have victory. It's God's work in your life. You need to submit yourself to that work. So I'm going to give you a few moments for you to reflect on your life, think about, you know, where you're going wrong and how you're asking Jesus to send you in the right direction and then we'll partake together. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Bow with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this day. Thankful for each person that's here. I'm thankful for the book of Acts and this springboard into this school year to really talk about the mission and the purpose of the early church and that continues today. I pray, Lord, that as we study through, Lord, that we will systematically go through this, understand the, all the, the pieces, the historical content, but also understand the theological and practical things that we need to take from this each day of our lives. So I'm thankful again for this church. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can study through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we close in worship. <clears throat>